0: hey guys welcome and thanks so much for tuning in to this edition of let's be blunt with Mattel. and today's guest is a returning guest on let's be blunt she's an entrepreneur a cannabis influencer a tiktoker and an author she's one of the biggest music journalists and photographers in the world in the world she just released her first book about her healing journey through cannabis. And, you know, it's a, it's a really, it's just an extreme pleasure to say this to you. Welcome back to Let's Be Blood, Jessica Gullick.
1: Thank you so much, Montel. It's such a pleasure to be back and just to be amongst you.
0: I'm digging the hat, girlfriend.
1: Thank you. It's definitely my signature. It's a great marketing tool.
0: I'll tell you, I, I can imagine. So, you know, you were on the show now, uh, what, it was about almost a year ago. Yeah, it was a little over a year ago. Yeah, and how have you been since we last spoke? It's been a
1: educational, transformative year. I have learned so much being so included in the cannabis industry, and I've expanded my knowledge so much that I look forward to playing a deeper leadership role over the next few years.
0: And we truly hope you do. I got to tell you, it's people like you that you know have your your finger on the pulse of you know not just the masses, but the pulse of what's going on in the industry, and it's in a way that you get to influence those in this industry. That's what I am so happy about having you on for. Because I'm telling you, I think we got to start some messaging right now. I mean, right now, this year before we get to, to 2022 and everybody's focused on the next round of elections. And then 2024, when people are focused on who the next president is, we need to get this cannabis industry to stop fighting amongst each other.
1: Exactly. I, be I think that the, the more unity that we bring and create will only create unity amongst society towards the shared goal, the hopefully shared goal that we have of legalizing cannabis. You know, what was funny, Montel, is that I was covering a concert the other day. It was one of my first rounds back. I was thrilled and delighted to be amongst the atmosphere. But what I immediately noticed and this showed me how much I've developed in mind is the lack of access that we have to advertising throughout these stadiums. I look around all I see is bud light alcohol this that these individuals are being served these served alcohol at this event to leave into their cars and potentially hurt another individual when we could be serving legal cannabis at these events advertising everywhere and everybody leaves safe
0: Yeah well yeah, I mean I got to tell you that that it drives me nuts with the fact that there are those who have the audacity to say that they don't want to see signs for dispensaries and things along the highway because their kids see them, but they are okay with seeing liquor signs all up and down the highway. And not that, but, you know, if you, I don't know if you are do you watch Netflix and a lot of the streaming services?
1: Uh, not often.
0: Well, you know, if you're in any of that kind of programming, I got to tell you, I have not seen a television show uh, in the last year and a half where you know the hero or heroine or anybody participating in the show don't come home and the first thing they do is they pour a bi- pour a big glass five fingers full of some brown liquor and take a big belt of it. It's almost like you know they're making that the vogue thing to do. Every single series, sub- huh?
1: They're subconsciously teaching children that are watching that this is okay. And Correct. that is, to me, it, it, it's altering the way society operates and it's, tr- it's creating this rhythm within the minds of those that are interested in cannabis that we are the devil in a way. And it's unfortunate that we have to continue to navigate explaining so- to someone that isn't a, can- a cannabis consumer like you and I, an avid cannabis consumer, how much this plant can bring you back to homeostasis.
0: Correct. And and I mean, I think right now the world needs, the world needs to come back to homeostasis. We know that for a fact. I mean, because it's just like I, I, was, I just, you know, I'm a news junkie. You know, I try to consume even the news that I don't you know, agree with. I put it on. I will watch it for an hour because I feel like, you know, it's like that old saying, you know, you can walk through a desert. If you don't listen to the rattle, you're going to get bit. And you yeah, and well- I, I'm like
1: <laughs> that as well. I follow some individuals that I have don't have shared values with just to make sure that I'm well aware of what's going on through society.
0: Correct, correct. It's a black mamba that'll take your ass down. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> that one doesn't have a rattlesnake, and its bite is so deadly it's crazy. Or it doesn't mm-hmm. have a rattle. So, you know, I mean, I think, you know, what we've got to do is raise this level of consciousness. And I think people like you, and that's why I'm so happy, again, that you're on again with me today. because. You know, as you write articles and you you know put out some of the information that you're putting out, girlfriend, please, every now and then just throw a sentence and two in there and saying, why are we fighting each other?
1: I, I always, Montel, that is one of my core missions on my Instagram because it is a big following. And my TikTok's becoming a massive following, which I look forward to relaying the message on there when it's a little bit more accessible because that is something that is crazy right now. I'm not sure if you've dealt with this due to your public figure status. I'm going to say that with in dear respect to you. But as a cannabis industry member, the censorship on so- social media is oh. absolutely insane.
0: Are you kidding me? Look, I just sent, I, 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 I will send and have, well, I can't send it to you because I think they'll, they'll knock me off of, you know, all the websites. If I send it to you, Um uh I, maybe I can text it to you. If I text it to you, you can see it. You know, something that's really kind of crazy is that, lot of people don't know this, is that I have a family filled with lawyers and judges. And I even have a Supreme Court justice, former Supreme Court justice in my family. Um, His son became a federally appointed judge. His wife is a judge, a, uh, you know, a state judge. And, you know, recently the judge sent me, you know, this little poster, weird poster, and this poster was about COVID. And It was just a poster that was a sign that was out in front of a restaurant and they sent it to me, uh, you know, on uh, in a text. And I forwarded it off to, you know, my producer in a text and he just happened to put it up online and bingo, bingo, they got, you know, he got bounced off just for sharing something as simple as that. So I literally, you know, once uh, every couple of months, you know, we get a warning that I'm talking about something that I shouldn't be talking about. And all I'm doing is trying to educate I'm not from a health
1: and holistic perspective as well. And there is no health and holistic perspective in alcohol. And they are allowed to market freely. It, Montel, that is something that deeply soulfully hurts me. And it, it, it is, it amazes me that we're in a place now where in the digital economy, economic equality is not coming into play when it comes to the cannabis industry. We are not being treated fairly and able to maximize Buys the digital economy like
0: everybody else is. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I know you don't you don't know this, but since your first you know, appearance here on Let's Be Blunt, I've been scheming on you a little bit, girlfriend. You don't know this, but I've been scheming on you because I've been working on putting together a project that I would love for you to come on and be a co host with me on. If oh we can God. get this thing done, I would love. Let me. I, I, it would be one of my biggest dreams. I'd
1: honored, Montel. You speaking to you, you feels like I'm speaking to an old soul friend. So it, it's a beautiful feeling.
0: Well, I'm going to tell you, I, I feel the same thing when I have you there. And I thought, you know, if I put together this show, I would love to have you as a co-host, sitting right there on that couch with me as we do interviews and do things and can do crazy skits and stuff like that. I would love to have you there. And the reason why is because I know that in messaging. And you have the finger again on the pulse of an entire demographic that is the demographic that's going to change this world. We
1: are and, the change makers, yes. And I tell people that we also need to respect Gen Z because they are the next wave of consumers, and those that wave of consumers is also the next wave of digital amplifiers.
0: Yes, and they're the ones though that are are they're the ones who are more likely to say, you know, what are you kidding me? I I love. You know, at this demographic, I love that demographic. They don't have any predisposed prejudices. They are stepping up to the plate, acknowledging the value of everyone who's in their life for the value that they bring to their lives. That's what I've noticed. I mean, I've got If gotta- anything,
1: yeah, if anything, the generations below me, I'd say, are a lot more liberalized because the society is not accepting any intolerance anymore. And Correct. the way that individuals are using their platforms and digital influencers to ensure that we are not accepting any intolerance of any ethnicity, any race, any sexuality is very, very powerful.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I I was going to ask you what, what it was like. I know, you know, here's been the last year, everything has been, Hunkered down, and now all of a sudden, some concerts are starting to come back. But then we're also looking at the fact that we're getting ready to start closing down again because of this new variant. And people yeah. are aware of the fact that there's going to come, probably be another variant, just because those who won't get vac- vaccinated and those who won't practice mitigation techniques literally are little petri dishes. They are just, you know, uh, uh, laboratories making this virus stronger. And, as and you virus,
1: have to think you about your parents. You have to think about those, your elders that you are surrounded with, even when they are vaccinated. This is something that can put their life on the line. And I think it's so important that we as digital influencers as well are using our platforms to showcase that. because that well, is- know, I, mean,
0: I, I just came out, and I, I don't know if you know this or not, but about four weeks ago, I, know. I literally have to, having been vaccinated, literally, and the reason why I even caught I know the second that I caught this crap. I was literally uh, in a, a laboratory. I had gone to a, a center because I and my wife were getting ready to take a trip to go visit her mother. And, you know, I just said to myself, you know, I just wonder if I, you know, because I do have a compromised immune system because of my MS and because of the medication I take. I want to make sure that my antibodies are strong since I took that vaccine. So I called a doctor. I said, you know, should I get an antibody test? And he said, well, you know, if it'll make you feel better, yes, I'll write you a script. Go to this lab and get your test. So that was on a Tuesday. I went to this laboratory. And on the sign, on the door at the laboratory, it said, no mask, no entry. On the floor, much on the floor. Once you open the door, there was another sign that said, no mask, no entry. I walk in, you know, i got my mask on, go to the counter. i am talked to the lady. She has her mask on. I sat down. There was about nine people in this, this waiting room. Everybody had their mask on, except for one person who had it kind of unbelow their nose. And I gave her enough dirty looks and she went in and pulled it up. And then two seconds later, this guy walks in the door, no mask. And I looked up you and I'm like...
1: Hey. signs, But I feel like society, a lot of individuals are so overstimulated and numbed out from the past year that they're not paying conscious attention to their surroundings and to what is actually going on through society right now because this is not normal.
0: Well, I gave the guy credit for that, but I literally texted my wife and I said, you know, hey, some butthead just walked in here without a mask on. And the woman by the counter said, sir, you got to have a mask on. He put his mask on and went about his business. So then I get up, I go over to the counter and while I was standing there, another guy comes walking in the door, and he walks in and literally invaded not just my personal space, but he invaded my space enough that he his body physically touched my elbow. And I turn over, and I look. He doesn't have a mask on. He's this mouth breather. And the guy looks sick. And I looked at him, and I was like, I kind of moved my shoulder a little bit to make him back up. And he backed up, and I stepped a little bit away. And you know, I finished my business with the lady at the counter and then he got me in. I I'm taking my antibody test. But before I went in there, I sat back down I I wrote another text to my wife and I said, You won't believe this. This dude just came in here, breathing all over me without a mask on. And I swear to you, I bet he just so gave me irresponsible.
1: That is so irresponsible and totally. negligent. And I, I've been reading about your story with COVID. I've been keeping up on you a lot. I've been thinking about you a lot. And I've been thinking about, I don't know if you want me to vocalize this, but I'm going to, because it is like a concern, like your PTSD and all those, how everything is piling up on you. And I think that a lot of individuals fail to realize that you are a human being and we're, we're here for you is what I'm trying to say. The cannabis community is here for you.
0: No, I thank you. And I mean, I gotta tell you, it, it, it pissed me off so bad. I went in, I took my test, my test came back. That I did have some antibodies, so I felt comfortable. But when I went home, I tell you, within two hours, I started sneezing. And I said, that clown just gave me a cold. The next morning, I woke up Wednesday morning with a blistering headache. And I went, "Ah, come on, man. I could not have gotten COVID that quickly. That afternoon, I had a blistering sore throat. The next morning, I got up. We were supposed to fly out that Thursday night. And I just didn't feel good all day. I cooked dinner. And I remember saying to my wife, baby, I don't think we should go to your mom's because, you know, I mean, I mean, your mom, I don't want to put her in a position where she may catch something from me. And and I'm not feeling good. And my wife said, well, let's go get a test. So we found a place that had a rapid COVID test plus a PCR test. So I went to that place, literally came home two hours later. They told me, notified me I had COVID, no question. And so, you know, there's Friday, I started taking some over-the-counter stuff, Saturday started feeling a little bit better Sunday started going like, and yeah uh, yeah I had a breakthrough infection and it wasn't the full blow but I'm telling you this crap is no joke.
1: Yeah, and the lethargy that sustains through it as well and I know that you follow a strict predominantly green diet and that yeah. is amazing to me that your body it goes to show how dangerous this really is because individuals like you and I take thorough care of our bodies and minds yet this can really attack
0: it, it it is it's again I say again not only does it attack you and when people say well you got a breakthrough people act like that's something simple well you get a milder version that mild version is no joke the headache that i had i wouldn't wish on anybody you know what i mean and and so uh, how was the concert with the concert that you did go to were people still wearing masks or were they at least trying to social distance or were they uh, required to have a vaccine before they came to the concert?
1: I'm going to say this very vocally. I think that all the bands involved were very negligent and go looking at it as a round to pick up money and to take, they took the year off and had, were forced to take the year off. I think a lot of these bands are really just going out on a run to pick up cash, which is unfortunate because they're not being as responsible throughout the stadiums. I actually didn't attend one of the concerts that I was supposed to, to attend. This past Sunday, because an individual on one of the teams tested positive for COVID, I don't care if that's a massive stadium. I am not going to be in that environment, and you should not have kept that concert going on, knowing how negligent that you're being.
0: That's- Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I I think you know. Again, we've now figured out a new model. A new model, it, it, though, it's not as as much fun as it used to be, where you know we all gather together this way virtually. But this is working. You know what I mean? This, it works. And, you know, I mean, I I though I don't I don't get the the aura of you or your essence right beside me that you know I can elbow, but I still get you. I can see you. I feel you, you know what I mean? Definitely. I I get a sense of you. So, you know, do I wanna be in a room with you? Heck yeah, let's get that done down the road. We're gonna do that but right now while this madness is still going on when we know we could bring this to an end if people just did you know the if everybody just decided for the next month we're all going to wear masks we're all going to socially distance and we as a nation are going to go out and get vaccinated this thing would go away a month from now
1: i just don't get how soci- or how local and state mandates aren't as enforced i don't i i don't think that Individuals should be allowed in storefronts, allowed in grocery markets if you if you are vaccinated like it, we're in a place now where every time you step outside, COVID is high alert and making sure that you're being precautious to not get COVID is on high alert to remove that high alert. Society has to comply. We are. It, it's as if society is acting as, as though we're children.
0: Absolutely. I mean, you know, I'm living. I live in Florida, and I know you've heard the news about what this idiot down here has been doing. You know, he's threatening to to take away the salaries of people that they ask children to wear a mask. I mean, it's just it's just ignorant, in the sense that you know we are so narcissistic. We listen to a narcissistic leader for four years and think that now we all have a right to be narcissists, and so we don't care about anybody other than our own little self. Well, you know. I feel like this. If that's how you want to be, then I got a way to do this. I'm telling you that this is going to sound really, really, really foul when I say this. But if you don't get vaccinated and you don't have the vaccine, you don't have the right to go to any public hospital.
1: Oh, yeah. If vaccinated.
0: Vaccinated, if I agree. If and You know what
1: amazes me is that um, Donald Trump is still living his life freely in Florida. And he was able to invigorate a world war in many ways not by the books, not by the textbooks. And he has shifted the consciousness of society in, in way damaging ways. And there's so much that we have to do to heal, to get back to a place of equilibrium all around. And I think that we're doing better. I think that now that we're in a place with a Democrat in charge, we're a lot more um, liberalized as a society, but it's going to take a lot of time to remove the damage that he's caused, him and his team have caused.
0: It's going to get, and, they, and they're still getting platforms to continue to, uh, you know. And people
1: are still damage. funding him, Montel. His his for, his posse is still funding him for life.
0: He got, you know, and what they don't even understand is that the guy is just a grifter. He's taking the money that they claim that they're going to use to defend X, Y, Z, and putting it in his pocket, paying his own personal bills, paying the bills of his family. And people don't get it, but they're just going to still ride this this coattail as if this is going to be some sort of improvement for the world as we move forward. And it's not. He's I mean, only we,
1: created separation that we have to pull back together and absolutely. pull back together in a more humane manner. Because we, what happened last year is completely unacceptable in regards to how the uproar in society, we're moving forward with progress with society and individuals and citizens getting more involved. But the message just keeps getting amplified. His message just keeps getting amplified even more into dangerous levels. Yes, he's taken off of social media, but his posse sure is not.
0: No, his posse is just, you know, putting his messages up on their websites. So it's like he's down. He's not down. He's got, you know, an army of people who are are sending out his message, I talked to Donald today and he said, X, Y, Z, his words still get out there. So it really doesn't make a difference whether or not they, they have banned him as specifically, you know, he still has an opportunity to reach as many people as he wants. I mean, now that Biden is elected though, I mean, what's your opinion in general opinion of, of, you know, what's going on in the country? I do know you do notice that at least he got a bipartisan, you know, group to come together to push forward. What, Part of the, through the Senate, pushed forward one part of this bill or one part of his initiative to, you know, revitalize American infrastructure. That did work. I've I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed that he can get the next part across the finish line. Um, however, you know, I'm a little disappointed. I don't know about you, but tell me how you feel. You know, uh, I remember leading up to the election, you know, he and the vice president both made a point – of talking about and reaching out, if you will, with an olive branch to those of us who are cannabis users in the country and saying, oh, yes, this is something we're going to work on in our first hundred days. And we're going to make sure that we decriminalize and we put initiatives for And they haven't done a damn thing.
1: They haven't done a damn thing. If anything, Camilla has made it worse. I hate to say that. I'm so sorry. And I'd say that in dear respect to you as Don't well. Don't be
0: sorry. Don't be sorry. Don't be sorry. Because part of the reason why You know, I agree with you. If people don't remember, she was talking all the smack about how she used and how she was in favor of decriminalization. But she was also responsible for incarcerating more people during her tenure as attorney general for nonviolent cannabis crimes than the attorney generals before her.
1: And we cannot dismiss that. And we need to continue to hold her accountable to that. And I think holding her accountable to that liability that she created throughout the family's life of those that were incarcerated needs to be keep bringing to our attention needs to be keep brought to our attention on how much harm this is creating the it amazes me looking through michigan now even from our call last year detroit the whole outskirts like detroit we're not allowed to showcase any cannabis any the outskirts it's completely filling up all up into lansing up in the grand rapids But in the inner city, we aren't allowed to touch cannabis, which is so super unfortunate. And I think things like this need to be brought up at the federal level because the federal level at the federal level, they're not acting. They're not acting on the states that are even legalized yet. So what makes us think that they're going to act on the states that aren't
0: right? I mean, well, it's it's even it's more insane to me. It's like, you know. I, I, we want them to do something. First off, I, I don't even like the term decriminalization. There's so many people who keep saying this, I, well, at least if they change it from Schedule 1 to Schedule 2, it'll decriminalize. I, first off, what I'm doing is not criminal behavior whatsoever.
1: Whatsoever. And how dare, dare them history. try to put that verbiage into our subconscious is the way Correct. I look at that.
0: Correct. And so now, I mean, again, it, we know that during the pandemic, Every single state that had a medical cannabis program made it an essential part of the community. Do you think that
1: any of these states that did make an essential part could have made it as well through the pandemic without cannabis?
0: Heck no. No way. Heck no. The amount of tax dollars that they were receiving and the fact that they also had people who were calm because I don't know anybody who's out there using cannabis that's running out, you know, Busting through, except for the group that busted through the Capitol, where we understand that there was a lot of cannabis being being smoked there. But those people weren't people who were smoking cannabis because they were trying to, 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 you know, be peaceful. Uh, they, yeah, they don't to,
1: have the same dear enduring respect for the plant.
0: Heck, no, they don't have the respect for it at all. But I mean, you know, we do know that uh, you know the cannabis is a much violent, much less violent. Uh, uh, way to imbibe than any other way to imbibe on the planet. And so, I mean, I think that what we'd understand is if we started to just accept, change the schedule, not decriminalize, change the schedule to begin with, A, and then, you know, just stop prosecuting for this. This isn't, there's nothing, it's no different than taking vitamin C or vitamin B or vitamin A, whatever. It's the exact same thing. So, why, if I'm not going to prosecute somebody for taking echinacea, why should I be prosecuting somebody for taking cannabis?
1: That's a great perspective and looking at it like uh, in a holistic manner. By the way, I did talk to Mary recently from La- Last Prisoner Project, and she wanted me to publicly thank you for all the work that you've done with Michael Thompson and helping his release, because think, of, I think of him almost daily. And I'm happy to be connected to him online because I think of the gap of society that he missed and him having to integrate back into society now. It's such a, a psychological and emotional challenge. I'm so happy Um, Last Prisoner Project has the the tools to be able to help these individuals integrate back. Because one thing I don't think is being considered when locking these individuals up, you got to integrate them back into society after.
0: Correct. And I mean, on top of that, I mean, so now he's been put away for what, plus 30 plus years and coming back to a world that is completely foreign to what his world was when he was incarcerated.
1: So foreign. Even like in regards to the world being digital and the expectation that these individuals are just supposed to know how to use these digital tools once they come out, please. Like it right. it, it makes or, no sense.
0: Or or even how to be able to navigate. I mean, I, you, you got to remember 30 years ago, the amount of cars that were on the highways were probably a 10th of what's on the highway now. And, you know, just to step out into a street and, and look right and left and know not to, to step out because somebody's going to hit you. I mean, and you just- think of
1: how high tech these cars and vehicles have become as well. So these individuals are used to a turn the key, like an old school Chrysler, but nowadays going into a car is a whole experience.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to push a button to, to, to cut it on rather than turn a key.
1: <laughs> I'm an old yeah, soul. That. It's kind of crazy to see that happening, but I mean, I, I find it positive in many different ways because those cars do help society with emissions and everything. But um, yeah, back to people like Michael Thompson. It's just the integration level of him coming back is like years. It, it takes time.
0: But you know, you just said that the new cars, the the ones that are hybrids, do help.
1: Yeah, you know, the hybrids. Yeah.
0: The but you know, the ones that we're just you know we're getting ready to start flooding the marketplace with a, some more huge gas guzzlers because you know that that you know fossil fuel industry is not going to let up. And you know, I was just in. Um, uh Vegas about a weekend ago. And I was out there and I, I happened to be standing at the wind and I was standing on the 60th floor with my wife. And I remember we, we I woke up in the morning, opened up the shades and the curtains and saw this I, I don't even know how to explain it. It just looked like this wall. I thought it was sand at first, but then realized that, that was smoke coming in from California. Wow. We, we are a nation. I mean, we're we're a continent on fire. Literally. So California
1: has been on fire for so long.
0: And the smoke from California is reaching as far as the East Coast and starting to reach now into Europe. I mean, this is ridiculous.
1: I didn't know that. And that is insane.
0: I mean, it gets caught up in a jet stream and gets sucked all the way across and around the planet. And I mean, you know, I I, I get I, no, I don't get the idea that. You know, people have just thrown their hands up in the air and said, well, you know, this is what happened, nothing we can do about it, as if there are those who are looking forward to eating out of garbage cans in this apocalyptic world that we've, you know, done so well at, you know, fictionalizing in all these movies and stuff. I don't want to live like that.
1: No. And think of all the individuals in California that have built their homes from the ground up that have lost them and that have lost them to mass fires and wildfires out of their control.
0: Right. That that could have been controlled had we just started paying attention to not only you know the CO2 emissions in the world, but the methane emissions in the world, which we know is a is a, 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 a almost like a silent, invisible killer in the sense of nobody's talking about methane as much as they should be because you know methane has you know four times, almost five times the ability to warm up the atmosphere than CO2 does.
1: And I think that a lot of individuals aren't as aware of all the holistic health measures that you can take. Like I'll get oxygen therapy, I get um, lymphatic drainage, things like that. To because I know that every time that I'm stepping outside, I'm inhaling a lot of foreign substances just by walking.
0: Absolutely, yeah. I, I my wife, you know, we try to uh, we you know we we seem to supplement you know every day. We've, we've got these, uh, you know, there's several of them, versions of them online that you can buy, but you can get oxygen canisters, pure oxygen canisters, where, you know, I just try to make sure every day I just suck in a, as much extra oxygen as I possibly can, just to keep, you know, uh, hopefully keep myself working at, at at as high a level as I can. You and know, that food. affects
1: our gut health. It boils down to everything. And going into our gut health goes into our mind. I'm really, really keen about that. I was actually going to bring this to your attention. So. With the PTSD, I was curious. Have you ever tried sensory def- deprivation?
0: I have not done it. I've heard about it. I, you know, well, I back up. I did do it once. Oh man, almost um, whew, forty years ago. Uh, I was in California in the Carmel area, and I actually went to a center that had separate sensory deprivation tanks. Um, and I literally experienced it one time, and it was one of the more uh, most profound you know, evenings of my life, um, I've been working very closely with a protocol that is called uh, trying to get this move forward. I don't know if you know this or not, but there's a protocol out there right now that's called RTM, Reconsolidation of Traumatic Memories, and with this no, protocol, I heard of it's, like, that. it's it's really phenomenal. I mean, hopefully, maybe we, we can. Uh, I'll have my office send you a little information about it. But it has been now you know uh, uh, designated by you know ISTSS. Which is one of the, you know, governing bodies for psychological protocols in the world, and one of only two real cures for PTSD. Uh, why? Because it works, and a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that you know, a post-traumatic stress uh, incident that or a post uh, a trauma incident that takes place in your life literally etches itself physically into the amygdala of your brain. It's almost like you press a recording button and this thing runs a little tape and those cells actually in your brain remember that traumatic event. And then they release endorphins and they release that information into your psyche when you're sleeping and when you're, you know, in your unconscious and your subconscious. And that's what brings back the PTSD because you're constantly trickling out this little event. And what RTM does is it re-etches positive events over that and i'm i'm trying to that's uh, great
1: to sort of rebuild your subconscious i believe
0: it's almost like rebuilding the cells in your subconscious and wow it and this yeah, is i would love more huge. info on it's that because i've been
1: doing some deep body work lately over the past six months and it has really transformed the way i think the way i feel the way i act and behave
0: Well, this is 90% efficacious for any any form of PTSD, not just combat or military or police, but this works for anything from sexual trauma as a child to car accidents to any traumatic event it works for. And it has been proven now through double-blind study to be 90% efficacious. And I don't know if you know a lot about the protocols that are out there that are being touted as cures. Most of them are no greater than thirty-five to thirty-seven percent efficacious. This is ninety percent efficacious. Wow. And I'm working really, working really hard. As a matter of fact, I have uh, some calls tomorrow with a couple of senators' offices, and been working literally at the national level trying to move this forward to say, especially to so many people who are suffering, especially right now, people who just came out of, you know, a month, two months in the hospital for COVID. Are suffering from PTSD from being in the hospital. We have hospital workers who are suffering from PTSD from treating so, so many people who have passed away. This works for any form of trauma. And so we're trying to get it out there as quickly as we can. But of course, you know, how things work in this society is that. You know, anything that is transformative medically is normally met with the most vehement and adamant resistance from the medical community. Because oh. majority
1: of society is so programmed by the pharmaceutical companies, and it's Correct. so, so sad.
0: Correct. I mean, you know, the PTSD has turned into almost like a 3 to $4 billion cottage industry in America. And Here's a question you know,
1: for you, Montel, if you don't mm-hmm. mind me asking. I'm sorry to sure. cut you off. Sure. So I was speaking to a friend recently, and this thought just came to me intuitively, and I said it aloud. I feel as though everybody in society now has experienced trauma due to COVID. I think that that is is a stretch in a way, but this past year, every individual's lives went into shock.
0: Absolutely. Look, I mean, you're not speaking out of turn. I just uh, was at an event in California uh, that's the World Brain Mapping Institute's National Gala. I received an award at it, and it was very nice to be patted on the back. But at that gala, I spoke to some of the top neurologists and brain scientists on this planet, and they are bracing themselves for what they are calling the next pandemic, which will be the pandemic of mental health issues in this country, based because of what we've just been through. And you're right, you know, even even I, I think every member of the society has a little bit of PTSD just because of what we've been through for the last year and a half. But you've got to really stop and think about the numbers of people who have been in and out of the hospital, the numbers of people who have had COVID that didn't have to go to the hospital, but suffered in their own living rooms at home and and were so afraid every single night that they would have to be taken off and have been intubated. Those people all suffer from post-traumatic stress. Some of them have gotten over it, moved on. Most of them have not. Most of them don't, won't even recognize that it may not hit them for another year. That- you
1: know what, Montel? A lot of them aren't even aware that they're experiencing the trauma, which is even more sad. And something else I've been thinking about is children. So the ages three to four or three to seven right now are entering this world with the expectation that this is it, that this is how society operates. So it's up to the parents and up to parenting and their peers around them to ensure that, to remind them that this is not normal.
0: Right. And, you know, I mean, fortunately, fortunately there are those out there that are as aware and conscious as you are, that they are understanding what this is doing, but there are so many out there who are not. And that's, that's my fear. I, I just, it, it, it literally, keeps me up sometimes at night Me Uh, too,
1: Montel eyes open keeps me up at night and I think that's a good thing that it does because individuals like you and I can have revelations that can provide the tools for society to change
0: and that's what we need is a society that's ready to change and look let me let me change subject for you for a second but I know that you're a member of the LGBTQIA plus community and pride month was in June how did you uh, celebrate pride this year
1: Uh, It was awesome. I celebrated with a couple of cannabis brands and I was able to be a lot more expressive this year. Last year I wasn't as comfortable being as expressive due to me beginning in the public eye, which is unfortunate. That is something that I had to discover within myself this past year. But this, this year was liberating. And I was so fulfilled by how the cannabis community really uplifted me during the month. And it was beautiful.
0: So now, you know, Jessica, I mean, I know as a cannabis user, you know, uh, you get the same benefits that I get daily, but has it helped to improve your mental health and help? Oh, you my gosh. Day it has transformed my
1: mental health. I was in a place pri- previously where my brain chemistry was on high alert at all times. ADHD, at points I thought that I literally was bipolar because I recognized that before, this is way before cannabis, that my mind was getting high levels of creativity, then dropping really, really fast. So as I began to integrate cannabis into my life, wow, did I experience homeostasis and I never want to go back? My respect towards this plant is just I look at this the plant as my soulmate. Like it literally transformed me in my in my health. And my health is always number one above anything that I do. And um I'm just indebted to the plant.
0: You said that you were you were misdiagnosed with ADHD initially.
1: Yes, I was misdiagnosed and I didn't have the knowledge to understand that it really was just being bipolar. And I had to work through that with many different um, uh, therapists and just an experience that transformed me. And through that, like a mental health experience, I was able to overcome it with cannabis.
0: You've been talking a lot on TikTok about your alternative treatment uh, protocol. Oh, all the time, yeah. And I'm actually putting up
1: another video tonight just with sensory deprivation, brain training, and different um, tools that I've used over the years to really get back to homeostasis. My friend David McCuller, he owns Inception in Farmington Hills, Michigan. He put together a center full of wellness modalities that really – and he has circuits set up that really bring you back into your center. And every time that I I go there – I just feel like a new person walking out, and I learned so much about myself through the body work that I'm doing.
0: Have you done any work with any of the psychedelics, of, of, of ayahuasca or you know Shoshana, Any of those? Not, Not uh,
1: yet I- with I- ayahuasca, but I do have a very deep curiosity.
0: Right. Well, yeah, you know, I, I know some people who just opened the center in California, a uh, licensed center to be able to treat. So I can give you some information. Wow. Yes.
1: Please course. do. I would love to see a licensed center.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, what else has been happening in your world, girlfriend?
1: So writing the book was definitely uh, a moment and it was definitely something that was therapeutic for me. I learned so much about myself in the process. I didn't think that my first book would be self-published as I did, but it just kind of came out intuitively. I felt so inspired that I learned how to self-publish and put it
0: out. Its title is and where can people get it?
1: Uh, The title is Opening the Cosmic Doors, and you can get it only on Amazon Kindle on August 24th. Yeah, so um, like I said, it was sort of written intuitively. I've been writing my entire life. I write every single day. Things just pour out of me. My brain's like a notepad. And um, I was recognizing my relationship with cannabis deepening. And I was recognizing it deepening to where I was kind of metaphorically writing about it. I was writing about the holistic ways that cannabis has contributed to my life. And then I was able to turn it into a creative metaphoric way of explaining it that I think will help not as avid consumers see cannabis from a different light and see it from a more um, spiritual perspective.
0: That's incredible. I mean, you, you, you started off really kind of as a poet. I mean, right. I mean, Oh yeah. I, have been poetry.
1: writing. I, I started sharing my poetry in on a, um, on a burner account for about three years, starting 2014, nobody knew it was me for a while. And then somebody found out it was me and it was publicized, but that was cool because I was writing incognito and I felt a little bit more liberated writing a little bit darker then, but I realized that I was in that state of mind then where I'm at now is the light with cannabis and looking at cannabis as medicine and looking at cannabis as, um, Healing everything from like, anxiety to chronic pain and being able to spin that metaphorically into the book was a beautiful, beautiful process. I learned so much about myself.
0: Oh, unbelievable, unbelievable. And I mean, maybe just take a second. Give me a, a little taste of what you were sharing with other people in the book.
1: Yeah, I could read you a poem if you'd like.
0: Sure, I love it. I yeah, love it. Let me
1: pick one up. <laughs> Uh, cannabis as a portal to the divine, being a witness of your own life is consciousness itself exists beyond the density of the ego mind. You'll be surprised what you can learn beyond space and time.
0: Wow. And the book is a collection of poems or is it? That's a good
1: question because candidly I am looking to get, um, published and looking to work with a major publisher. So this is my first kind of showing the world that I can do it and in hopes of being able to get picked up and build out a series with a publishing house.
0: Well, I'm doing a shout out to anybody out there. If there's anybody that works with a public house, make sure that they reach out to Jessica Golich. We, we need do. to have her words of inspiration in all of our hearts. August oh, 24th. So I'm sure everybody knows that you can come by. And if people, again, just go, they want to follow you. Where do they go?
1: Uh, TikTok, Jessica Golich, and then Instagram, Jessica X Golich.
0: Great, great, great. Well, before we get out of here, I definitely want to talk to you. Tell me a little bit about your work with the Last Prison Project. You brought them up, but let's let's talk a little bit about your work that you're doing now. So,
1: um, you know what, Montel? I actually just this week was on the call with Mary and they added me to the team with, as an ambassador and advisor, which I was thrilled that I'm actually integrated and included now. But um, I've been helping just build out knowledge, ideals, and the social aspect over the past year with Mary, and it's been great. Mary and I have a great relationship, and I'm going to continue to be a front Front, right on the front lines on social media, digital, and when we are able to be outside promoting this. Because it's. It, I, I've been bought in with LPP since I was introduced. And um, yeah, it's like a big family.
0: Absolutely. You, you, you keep saying, when well, we can actually promote outside. One of the things that we can do, and this is, again, this industry needs to recognize the fact that, you know, there's been an, a chance and an opportunity for us to self-promote If we just did it on our own platforms, you know, you can make an OTT platform and promote the heck out of cannabis and nobody can take it down.
1: Right. There are so many different platforms and there's Sizzy life, which a friend of mine created. And um, there are many different social platforms. Buddy Jane is another one for cannabis, but I just feel as though the reach isn't as big and accessible as the other ones. So I'm trying to make sure that, and I'll be candid with you about this. I'm building my mountain right now to take it independent when I can.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, that's what we have to do. I mean, I think what's going to end up happening is just like we see, you know, all these streaming services where, you know, five years ago nobody was even blinking at Netflix. And now, you know, uh, the world can't live without it. And well, you got to you really, it.
1: What, really watching like to think of like your show was the top TV show. As when I was a kid, I would sit and watch you with my mother. Nowadays, nobody's watching television.
0: Right. So now, I mean, what we got to do is, again, if the industry itself stopped fighting with each other and came together as an industry and said, you know what, we're going to build our own OTT and screw the FCC, we're going to build our own OTT, and we're going to put out our own programming, and people can tune in and see that program we want to, and we're going to promote that, we'll put you know, a buck, a sale towards promoting that. All across the country, you'd have a budget that would be just as powerful as any budget for any You're other. right.
1: Just a single dollar of, of a contribution from every person will add up. And you could do a lot with that uh pool of of um that pool of investment.
0: Well, again, I think that's the one thing that we've got to start trying to make this industry understand that we're like the Wright brothers pushing that wooden plane down a hill right now. This is how far cannabis has gotten. Cannabis has got billions and trillions of dollars ahead of it.
1: And, and corporations, Montel, have hundreds of millions behind them.
0: Yeah, but everybody's going to have an opportunity and a bite at this apple if they want it. So what we ought to do is slow down right now for a second and try to figure out a way to bring, every. you know, that old saying of rising tide lifts all boats. Well, it's true. If we came together, the rising tide would lift everybody. Everybody's going to make their little piece. I mean, I I I I really am, am concerned about the fact that, you know, I mean, we're we're in an industry where we do so much work from a B2B standpoint, trying to impress upon other people how to give you business tips or how to make this business thing. No, how about B2C? We gotta go back to, to educating the consumers. True. You know, why do we think that, you know, every time you turn on a the television, there's at least 20 uh, pharmaceutical ads in every hour? They're there because The pharmaceutical industry realizes if I educate the consumer and tell them the name of a product, they will walk into their doctor's office. They will ask the doctor, Have you heard about XYZ? The doctor's saying, Hmm, I haven't heard about that. Let me see. He'll reach out to the pharmaceutical company. Pharmaceutical company reaches back to him and says, Look, I'll give you 5% of every sale that we make if you tell all of your patients that they want to do this. Oh, okay, great. Then they do that. That's why that industry is so powerful. They understand that educating the consumer. is what drives the consumer to buy the product. We- I do
1: agree with you in regards to bringing the cannabis industry together in power and numbers, but I will say this, and this is something I experienced firsthand, the sure. home growers, the home growers versus the the cannabis corporations, basically, mm-hmm. that needs to, something needs to patch that up because that is a separation and segregation right now that is unfair to the home growers.
0: Well, I mean, the the, the corporations need to incorporate the people who are in this for the right reasons in their business rather than fight them as competitors. Right. These people can give you extra space to grow your products. Absolutely. And not only that, but then those big corporations can end up licensing, giving them the funding that they need to make those products more viable and more available and more efficacious. I mean, it's just we're, we're just again, like I say, we're just now beginning to. Scratch the surface in cannabis, and if we really applied all the tools that have been applied to another industry to this one, this thing would take off like no tomorrow.:
1: You're right, because it is so formative right now, and it's funny that the formative part is in our hands, so it's it's really all really all up to us on how we build this industry and how this industry operates.:
0: Absolutely. Well I gotta tell you what's next, what's coming up? What's what do you got on the on the calendar?
1: Well, you know, I'm hoping to be able to utilize my experience in music to go into songwriting because I am very poetic and I recognize that I've been able to write a couple songs just personally. I want to co write for some of the biggest artists. So that's really gonna be my next my next honor.
0: And your and your genre of music is?
1: Um I would prefer R and B and rap.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. And yeah. have, you, have you have you already been uh, been pairing up with anybody or are you teaming up? With Not
1: anybody? yet. I've been poking with a lot of the greatest um, uh, songwriters online, like Eric Bellinger and stuff. But um, I'm hoping to be able to get mentorship first.
0: Gotcha. And how about any concerts that you're coming up that uh, that you're uh, scheduled to be at?
1: Yeah. So we're going actually LPP is doing dead and co and I cannot wait because we will have a stand there in Detroit and there's going to be four other shows with a stand that's going to help raise funding at the dead and co show. And I think that that, I was telling Mary, that's cool because that's a whole different genre and demographic of individuals beyond the internet as well, because I mean, dead and co everyone that's, that's like seventies, eighties music, sixties music. So being able to um, promote LPP there is going to be great. I have a little baby, a little dirt. There's a ton of concerts coming up.
0: Great. And, and again, if people wanted to follow you, where do they go?
1: Uh, TikTok, Jessica Golich and Instagram, Jessica X Golich.
0: Gotcha. Well, Jessica, I can't say thank you enough girlfriend for being a part of today's. Let's be blunt with Montel. And you know, again, I, I really mean it when I say you always have a home here. I'm scheming on you. You don't know that, but I am scheming on you, trying to include you in a couple of projects that I'm working on. Please the do. Second I, the second I get some traction on that, we're going to reach out to you and I will make sure that, uh, you know, I follow up and give you some information about RTM. And yes, sure I give you some information about some people that might be interested in, you know, utilizing you and uh, branding a product with you.
1: That'd be fantastic. Thank you, Montel. I'd be happy to fly out to see you whenever as well. And um, yeah, I look forward to discussing many ways that we can grow together.
0: Absolutely. Let's continue to work together, my girl. And I wish you uh, nothing but safety and health and fun. And I hope that every buzz you have is always one of the best euphoric buzzes that you've ever had.
1: Thank you, Montel. I wish you the same. Much health to you and your wife.
0: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And for you out there, make sure you tune into the next Let's be blunt with Montal. Thanks for joining me on Let's Be Blunt with Montal. Please make sure you're subscribed and hit the bell to be notified when new episodes post each week. We'd love to hear your feedback also, so please send us your comments.